This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you pass food platters in the wrong direction? Do you post photos of others? without their permission? Do you open medicine cabinets that aren't yours? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better when we have to live together. We can all use a little help. Some people don't ask themselves, were you raised by wolves? Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And we're coming to you from New York today. And let's just get right to it with our mousse-bouche. Let's jump in there. Leah, which way do you pass dishes at a dinner party? Um, There's only two answers. I know, I know. The 50-50 I, shot. I, know, I feel Just roll so the dice. Am I at a round table? Am I at a square table? Doesn't matter. Oh, no. I'm going to say I probably pass to the right. Okay. Why would you say that? Because I'm left-handed and I always say that I do the opposite of what I would do. Mm, I mean, this is correct. (laughs) Yes, you always go counterclockwise. So you always want to basically pass from the left to the right. And it it. does come down to most people are right-handed. Okay. But if you are at a dinner party full of all left-handed people, it would be okay to go the other way. Finally, we could be ourselves. Yes, finally, you can be you. (laughs) Also, it should be mentioned that if it's not like a platter and you're asking for something specific to be passed, like, oh, pass the salt, pass the pepper, you can just pass that the quickest way. You do not have to send that all the way around the the table. table. Yeah, you don't have to like make sure it always goes, you know, counterclockwise all the way around that's a long way. What you shouldn't do uh, is stand up and reach. You should not do that. Then you're going to drag your shirt in. It's going to be wild. Yeah, that will be wild. So don't do that. I got one right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And joining me now, Sam Newman, opera expert. Welcome. Hi. Uh, so Sam, you were the press director of the Metropolitan Opera for seven years. I was. Very exciting. And how many operas do you think you've seen? Oh my God. I've probably been to the opera a thousand times, I would say. Literally a thousand Literally times. Literally a thousand times. Because there are so few operas that are done, I've probably seen La Boheme a hundred times. Um, <laughs> so I haven't seen a thousand different operas, but I suspect I've been to the opera 
I would say a thousand times. So for somebody who has never been to the opera, it feels a little intimidating. Why are people actually intimidated by the opera? I think the image of opera and pop culture is very elitist. I think when you see it in movies, it tends to be something that very wealthy people do um, or... If an ordinary person goes to the opera, it's like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, you know, or Cher and Moonstruck where they don't really know how to act and they're sort of, you know, a fish out of water. So I think that scares people for sure. So in terms of the etiquette of going to the opera, as a baseline, the rules are the same as any performance. You should have your phone off. You should wear pants. You should have a base level of I'm in society and I'm in public rules. But opera has some unique things, right? Sure. And so that's absolutely true. I think one thing that people would always ask me and that I think is a really common anxiety that people have who have never been to the opera is what to wear. Because again, you have an image of an old lady in a tiara and a man in tails and people with lorgnettes that they're looking at the action through. And I will tell you, Every time I went to the Met, all of those hundreds of times, I would see, without fail, a person in sweatpants and I would see a person in black tie. Well, just because someone's wearing sweatpants does not necessarily mean it's that's acceptable. It was fine. It's fine. You're it's like, fine. thank you for your You're, ticket there are money. 4,000 people in that room. It is absolutely fine you no one is going to be looking at you there's no you're not going to be turned away you really should just be comfortable and feel good but if you like to dress up it's a good opportunity to dress up because you really cannot be overdressed it is the one place where you can have a cape and tiara and whatever you know uh you were there with me when um latrice royale was there dressed as aida in <laughs> headdress and an evening gown and that was absolutely fine and it's also fine if you just come from work and you wear whatever you're wearing. Okay. So one unique thing about opera is the applause rules are a little different yeah. than another type of performance. Yeah. So I would say surprisingly for something that is a very sophisticated high culture art form, or at least it's perceived as that, there is a lot of yelling. It inspires a great deal of enthusiasm. The stories of the operas tend to be very passionate and it is an art form that when people love, they love it to an extreme level. So it is very common to hear people will yell either bravo if they like something in general that has been sung. So during the applause, you'll just hear people say bravo. If it is something specifically that is for a woman, which is very common in opera, right? If a diva sings very well, people will say brava. Uh, oh, so you, now we're doing Italian conjugation. Yes. <laughs> if okay. you like what everyone is doing, you can say bravi for the whole group, which is rare, because when are you going to think that? I mean, the person who has one line as the page is probably not up to that level of enthusiasm. So it's rare that you would get a bravi unless you just see a perfect moment in a performance. And this could be at the end of the show. This could be after an aria. You will hear this yelling. What that goes with is you still will hear people booing, which is very strange. Even if you go to a lot of theater, you are not used to people actively booing the performers. And I will say, even though um, in Italy, there still is more booing of singers. Renee Fleming was famously booed uh, when she sang at La Scala in the 90s. And how did she take that? Uh, I, I, You would have to ask her, but I'm guessing it wasn't a great <laughs> evening for her. <laughs> um, but she sang a part that was very identified with Maria Callas at La Scala that is Italian, Lucrezia Borgia, about an Italian woman. And they were really... Um, um, she didn't not, quite live up to the Maria Callas <laughs> I mean, in, in Milan, you know, it, it wasn't quite what they were looking for. 
but what you will hear is still quite frequently at the Met is booing of stage directors. So normally there's enough affection for the performers and for what they do that people will be polite enough to just sort of not applaud very loud if someone sings horribly. But the stage directors are very controversial in opera because there's so few pieces and they're done in specific ways. So anything that sort of deviates from the form will often inspire people to boo the stage director. So if there's a new production and we just hate the set, yes. at what point do we boo that? The director will come out and you can boo him at that point oh. at the end of the bows. The, the bows are a like a 10-minute choreographed show in themselves where everyone bows in order and then they repeat and then the soprano brings out the conductor and he bows and then everyone bows together and then you have the director. So basically the person that you don't recognize because you haven't seen them on stage is likely the director and that's when you sometimes will hear booing if it's a production that people don't like. Now tell me about Beast, which you also hear. Yes, so that is more rare. So Beast is, um, it refers to an encore. It's also Italian. If you... (laughs) You sometimes will hear people when they're very excited by a particularly bravura piece of singing scream beasts, particularly older audiences, older Italians. And this simply means that they want that piece to be repeated. So if someone sings La Doni Mobile and it's glorious, they will scream beasts. The Met famously did not permit any encores. Uh, it had a house policy against it for something like 100 years. They were very popular in the 20s and 30s. And opera singers would actually hire people called clacks who were like paid fans who would scream and carry on for everything that they did. And they would demand visas. But that practice was sort of derided as tacky and it fell out of favor after World War II until somewhat recently in the in the last 10 years or so, um, encores have been permitted again at the Met. So you will hear them in Europe um, and now you can hear them at the Met sometimes uh, if something is really good. So let's say I have the rare opportunity to meet an opera singer after the performance. What is like a nice thing to say to a singer other than like, good job? I think to say beforehand, the opera equivalent of Break a Leg is in Boca al Lupo, um, Into the Mouth of the Wolf, which is appropriate for your podcast, which basically means, you know, let's go do this scary thing. The After the performance, I think like with any performance, you are going to want to resist anything but the most effusive praise. Um, <laughs> I think what they do is very hard. It's very stressful. And I think they are by nature people who have great access to their emotions. And I would just avoid anything that could be misinterpreted as a criticism. Now, they are often going to volunteer criticism of their colleagues, the conductor, the stage director, the wig master, the person who designed the costume. And that's fine. You just want to listen with empathy and say you were so great in spite of that. It was incredible. Everything that you did was incredible. That would be my suggestion. I can see you've dealt with a lot of difficult singers over the years. Yes. (laughs) So what else should we know? So one specific thing that people might notice at the Met, which is kind of strange, is that operas are often very long. Sometimes they can be five or six hours if you're dealing with a German opera especially. But strangely, there is an impulse from some particularly older members of the audience to run out of their seats the second it seems like it might be over, which often is not the end. So, for example, at Tristan and Isolde, Isolde dies at the end. Sorry, that's a spoiler. And <laughs> she collapses to the stage. And then there's a very beautiful about 90 seconds of music that concludes the opera. And it actually resolves this unresolved chord that has been happening in the background of the opera for five and a half hours. So it's the culmination of the piece. Every time she dies and falls on the floor, you will see people get out of their seats, even though the lights aren't on, and start. My coworker at the Met used to call it canes up the aisle. 
uh, because you will suddenly see this mobilization of people just sort of running to get, you know, the M72 bus <laughs> or to get to the parking deck. And I would suggest that it is more considerate to your fellow uh, opera goers if you just give it a moment, wait for the curtain to come down, wait for the lights to come on, and then maybe you can think about getting your car. So Okay, that's a good pro tip. Another thing I would suggest, which I think goes for any performance, but the Met in particular has famously great acoustics, which also carries to the audience. So not only is everyone going to hear you if you're unwrapping candy or snoring or any of the other things that happen, you also want to be mindful of commenting negatively about the performance while it's going on because everyone will hear you if you say it at sort of an awkward moment. And even at intermission, you could really, I think, have a negative impact on someone's experience. So even though most performances at the Met are great, the standard of singing is very high. There are bad performances, of course. And you have to remember that someone in that audience is loving it no matter what. Because again, you have 4,000 people. There's someone who has never heard La Boheme before or they just particularly like a singer. They're having a great time. I specifically thought of this because I remembered a time that I was at the opera and Patti LuPone was there. A couple rows in front of me. I had seated myself near her, obviously, when I heard she was coming. Uh, it was a Carmen. And um, <laughs> the the lights just started to go down at the end of the first act. There was a pause between act one and act two. And <laughs> that's so loud. You know how loud Patty LaVon can be. That you could hear it in the fifth balcony. She said, this is why I hate opera. <laughs> I looked and she was like, she's like, there's 200 people on stage and they're just milling. Everyone's just milling, 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 milling. <laughs> So I would say if you're not Patty LaBone, that you should keep that to yourself. But I was very glad she did it because it was very entertaining. I mean, to so, be fair, there is a lot of milling. There's a lot Garben. of milling and Patty was not interested in the milling. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, so now it's time to play a game we call Vent or Repent. Sure. Which is your opportunity to either vent about some bad etiquette experience that has been happening to you. Or you can repent about some bad thing you've done. I see. Would you like to vent or repent? I would like to vent. Okay. Uh, I would like to vent for sure. So this is, it only happened once, but I think it's indicative of a wider social phenomenon, which is I was at dinner at a nice Italian place and it's small, you know, like a lot of Italian restaurants in New York. And so we're sitting at a little two top that's right next to the bar. The bar has tall stools. The reason I set this scene for you is that there was a man who was otherwise well-dressed, but he was wearing flip-flops right at my eye level, who's sitting at the bar. And immediately, as soon as he sits down, he drops off the flip-flops. And it's just these huge bare feet that are like essentially in my face. Like horrible 50-year-old man feet. That so are these just was like, not pedicure. No, a nightmare. And he was on a date with a woman who couldn't see the feet, I don't think. And I really wanted to warn her. I was like, should I pass her a note and be like, look down, you're in danger. But it was truly just... And they kept getting more wine and they just, these feet were just sort of dangling inches from our pasta for hours. I'm horrified, A. But also I think flip-flops in public in general is a provocative thing in New York City. It seems like it would be a problem in New York of all places, <laughs> but... But I think this date apparently was going well. It seemed to be, And yeah. she knew that this man was wearing flip-flops. I, he got there first, so I don't know. Mm. 
I, I genuinely don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe that's what she's into. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry this happened to you. You know, I got over it, but it was it was a difficult time. But I think the lesson for anybody listening is please don't wear flip-flops to dinner. Should I have done anything as the patron? It was such a palpable <laughs> moment that I was like, am I supposed to say something? Like, I'm not going to. Well, you can't say anything to the guest. I, 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 yeah. I guess you could flag management and be like, do you have a shoe policy here? So I did actually say something to the waiter. I was just like, this guy's feet are like, it, it's horrible. Because I felt like we had built a rapport with the waiter and he was like, oh my God, that's so gross. <laughs> but he didn't do anything about it. Okay. Well, another unfortunate sure. etiquette experience <laughs> in New York City. Well, thank you, Sam, for joining us. Happy to be here. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right? Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors. You get new patterns. You recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklinen actually has fresh linen. And it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. We're back. And now I want to talk about posting photos of other people on social media. This is such a big topic. And so there's just posting random strangers. And then there's posting photos of your friends and doing it all without permission. Mm. And I do not appreciate other people posting photos of me on their pages, especially if my hair is not looking good. Well, if you post a picture of someone, you should care about if it's a good picture of them. Yes. Yeah. If it's like you're the only one that looks good on the photo, then that's rude. It's super rude. Yeah. I've been tagged. I tag, got tagged in a photo two weeks ago that could have laid me out for the whole day. I was like, I don't know in what world this person thought it was okay. I can only assume that I did something to them in a past life. You know what I mean? Or it current was life. So bad. What what did you look like? I looked like I'm, you know, I'm aware of the bad angles that are like, you're like, oh, could you find me at my fattest? That I'm like, oh, bad angle. This was not that. I missed the day that I just looked fat. This was 
I looked like I had that old age face app on and I didn't have the old age face. I don't even actually know what happened. I looked 85 in this picture and I didn't even know the person who took it. It was at a comedy show and they posted it. I had to like take a breather. So and it tagged me. So they knew you well enough to know who you were. Yeah. They were at the comedy show and they tagged. Oh, so, you know, so I didn't want to be like to some person who took a picture of me to phone. Like, are you crazy? But I... You know, I want to be like, you're going to send me to therapy with this. Well, they probably assume that an 85-year-old woman doesn't have social media. <laughs> so wasn't going to ever see the photo. So they should have... They should have known better. Yeah, that, that not everybody it in the photo... It was a woman. Sometimes guys put stuff up and you're like... But another woman, it feels purposeful. And I don't mean to say that about, you know what I mean? But I feel like women are always like, did I, can I take another, you know what I mean? I'm like, she knows. She knows that you looked horrible and she did it on purpose. She knows that I looked horrible. Okay. Well, so don't do that, I guess. Don't do that to people. I always, when I have pictures, I want all my friends to feel good about it. A rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. A rising tide lifts all boats. Why would you do that? And if you can't get one, you got to filter it. You got to maybe write some words over wherever your friend doesn't look right so they feel good. Yeah, I agree with this. Yeah. Whatever your friend takes a picture and you look great in it, but they didn't get to ask your permission, but that you look great. Yeah. If I look great, I'm okay with this. Right? It's yeah. fine. So what about taking pictures of strangers and posting it? You know, I have a lot of friends who do it, so I don't, I try not to judge other people, but I don't like it. I, I think it's really disrespectful to people. So let's say one of your friends posted something horrible online, a terrible photo. What is a nice way to ask them to take it down, which doesn't make you sound like a crazy person? Oh, all my friends know that I am a crazy person. So I will like this person. I didn't know this person. Also, I'd already seen it. You know, that's the worst part. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. The damage was done. The damage was done. I don't care who else saw it. It's more that I had to see that. But with my friends, I'll just be like, hey. You got to take that down. Are you crazy? So did you reach out to the stranger? No, I just blocked them. Okay. So that photo is available. If I can look up this photo yeah. now. Oh, you, this is the first thing I'm going to do <laughs> when we're done here. Actually, I don't, I don't know if you can. Oh, I can. Oh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> don't bring it up to me. I will find it. <laughs> you're going to actually, the problem is you're going to find multiple photos that are horrible and you're not going to know which one I'm it is. I'm going to make pillows. And then you're going to send them all to me and I'll be like, I can't handle this. Oh, I'm going to do a whole montage with the wind beneath my wings as the background soundtrack. I hope you're joking because I really can't handle it. I have it. some free time. <laughs> and now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm loving being part of the book of the month because I often stay within the genres I already know or the particular authors I already know. And they're introducing me to new authors, things I might not have known about. It's so exciting. So Leah, tell me about what book is coming. I'm receiving in the mail very soon, The Return of Ellie Black. Where did she go? We don't know. She disappeared for years earlier and then resurfaces in the woods of Washington State. And I can't <laughs> wait to know more. If it's a story set in the woods, you're there. It's really true. I want I want a cozy town or a woods. Or both. Or also take a city. You know, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, as long <laughs> as there's murder or suspense, you're there. I like if there's some food. So you out there, you can get your first book for just $5 using promo code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com, use promo code PEDALS, and get your first book for just $5. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. And now is the time of the show. We're going to take some questions from our audience. So the first question, very good question. Do you tip when you pick up takeout? You have to let us know this. I look to you for the real answers. So let me preface by saying the Emily Post Institute, who I have mixed feelings about. Clearly. They say no, no obligation to tip. I think this is incorrect. I think they are giving you bad advice by being so definitive. I do not think there's a clear answer on this. I think it comes down to why people tip at all. Because you can tip to ensure good service. You can tip because you realize that the compensation system in the United States for service workers is totally messed up. And like the tip is actually part of their base wage because they make, you know, a dollar an hour. That's why I'm tipping. Or sometimes a tip is just express appreciation for them for some reason. Maybe they did something nice or you just liked them or you had a nice experience or whatever. So I think the answer to the question is, You tip if it's for one of those reasons. So if you want to do any of those things, tipping for takeout is totally fine. If you don't want to do any of those things, then I don't think you're obligated necessarily, but you are not necessarily off the hook. So that's, I think that's my feeling on this. What do you think would be an okay tip if you wanted to do one of those things, but you don't want to tip and not tipping 20% on takeout, but so then what's not disrespectful, but like, hey, I want to throw a little something. I think... One way to think about it would be, what would you tip if you were at a bar and a bartender handed you a bottle of beer? So is that a dollar a drink? Is that $2 a drink? So that could be sort of that. Mm. I think 10% is nice. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple bucks. I mean, it depends on how big the order is. If it's right. just, you know, a four ninety five side of so soup. It's like nachos. If it's just nachos. Hypothetical example for Hypothetical you. example. Never happened. Hypothetical example. It's two empanadas. broccoli cheese Mm -hmm. with both the pink and green sauce. Uh, What would you tip on that hypothetical? I think $2 is nice. Okay. Okay. Next question is, is it okay to open someone's medicine cabinet? Have you ever done this? I mean, it's between you and God. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to know. So I was reading this book, which is called, Are You Normal? And they... (laughs) It's a good book. And sometimes we want to know the answer to this. And they reference a study, which they don't actually tell you anything about, but they say that upwards of 40% of people snoop in medicine cabinets, Mm. which I believe that. Oh, absolutely. And that's just the 40% that admitted in some survey that they do it. My guess is that it's higher. 99%. And in the same research, they also showed that people that are single and people that are divorced are more likely to do it than people that are married. Oh. Go figure. And younger people are more likely to do it than older people. So I guess I'm all of these categories for snoopers. And yet I do not do this. It does not occur to me to snoop in somebody's medicine cabinet. I don't either. No? No. Mm -hmm. Look me in the eye and tell me that. I don't. Okay, I believe you. (laughs) One thing I was reading online about this is that some people like to snoop to see what medication you're on. Right, but if I was to have a house party, I would take my medication. Yes. Why would I ever... I would only leave things that I expected people to see. Yes, I think if you know that 40% of people admit to snooping, you should just hide everything. Yeah, I hide everything that's worth hiding. Yeah, so all your fungal cream. Oh, I don't have fungal Come on. <laughs> Not that I would see if I open up your medicine cabinet. Yeah, but you know me that I would op- I would just own up to it. That's true, yeah. You'd be like, yeah, I got fungal cream. What about it? 
But yeah, I think you should definitely hide everything, just knowing that everyone's going to snoop. You shouldn't snoop, but we know you're going to do it. So I have looked in a shower. Why? So I just want to see what their showers are like. I love a nice shower. Like you want to see the plumbing? Yeah, no, I just want to be like, how's the tiling in here? Isn't it like the same as the rest of the bathroom you no, have access it's to? it's different. So you're moving the curtain. Sometimes I'll just... That was Leah like leering yeah, around the corner. And you know, you've, you've, you was leering twice with me today. And I just want you to know it's a glance. Okay. It's a thoughtful look. It's a, it's a, oh, what's going on? Yeah. It's a it's little, it's not a leer. It's a curiosity. A leer is nefarious slightly. There's a malicious intent, which I don't have. No. It's a, it's a delighted curiosity. So, I was also reading that Dear Abby, I think in the 90s, recommended that people put marbles in their medicine cabinet to basically shame people who open the medicine cabinet. That would be so funny. So I don't know if anybody, who has marbles? Does anybody have like extra marbles? No, I haven't seen marbles since My Fair Lady. Can I, Um, where would I buy, I guess Amazon, where do you buy marbles? I think maybe like a, I always imagine they have them in those bags, those fishnet bags in like a kid's store. Does that still happen? Other stores? I don't know. Oh, you know, I I bet it's a aquarium store. Okay. Okay. Fish related. Like a Petco. Yeah. Yeah. They have marbles. Sure. But that's a fun idea. We should just go do that. So next time you're having people over, you should just get the marbles in your medicine cabinet somehow. Honestly, that gives me so much joy because you know it's going to be most people. But it's only going to be the first person. It's not going to work for anybody else. Well, after the first person is shamed by the marbles cascading and pinging around your bathroom, I don't think anyone's going to take that yeah, risk. Yeah, you just only get that one chance. But it would I would laugh so hard. But what would the host say? Be like, yeah, I put marbles in my medicine cabinet. Like, what do you say? Oh, I would just openly laugh. We'd all be like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> and then the person comes out and be like, I cut myself. I was looking for a Band-Aid. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> You just ask people for a Band-Aid. That's how that works. I definitely have friends that probably snoop in my medicine cabinet. Yeah. This is why I actually merchandise it. If you look in my medicine cabinet, it is all merchandised. <laughs> and I even have like uh, photos in there. It's like a display. Ca- it's like a curio cabinet. <laughs> yeah. So. Someone opens in there like, this seems very curated. Is this an exhibit? It is. Yeah. <laughs> That's welcome to my life. It's all curated. It's all for show. Amazing. It's all artifice. Welcome to the world, Dick Layton. So do you have a question for us? Oh, yes, you do. Send them to us. You can send it to us through our website, where you raised by wolves.com, or you can text us or call us and leave a voicemail, 267-CALL-RBW. So, Leah... What have we learned today? I've learned that both of us don't look in people's medicine cabinets. Yeah, I like that about you. I like that about you. I was a little surprised, this to be honest. Our, you were surprised? I'm into giving people their privacy. I appreciate that. That's why I don't take pictures of people in public. Valid. Both in the same vein. Hmm. Okay, same flavor. All right, I like that. I also liked that your breakdown of why people tip. And if you feel any of those things, that's mm-hmm. why you would t- I thought that was a very great breakdown. Yeah, I think this is a good thing about why tipping happens. I wish as a society we did not actually have to tip and it was all just built in and then we didn't have this like weird charade. Because but- I definitely do have a lot of anxiety around it. Yeah, I don't think I resolved your anxiety. But I mean, at least- it's just, I just have to let it go. You do need to let it go, Leah. Ugh. Gotta let it go. It's so hard. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send you a handwritten thank you note on my engraved social stationery. Please subscribe to the show and also visit our website, where you raised by wolves.com. So now, hopefully, nobody will ask, Were you raised by wolves? See you next time. Oh. 
This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. 